Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. Today, which is the third Sunday in the Pentecost season, comes from 2 Corinthians. This time we're in chapter 5. You mightn't have got there yet, that's okay. Chapter 5, 6 to 19. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord, so we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, we ask you now to be with us as we spend some more time in this particular part of the Bible, 2 Corinthians. And we pray that by your Holy Spirit you would speak to each person hearing, listening, searching, and you'd satisfy all their needs and you'd teach and challenge and shape and encourage everyone along the journey of faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, the radio interviewer couldn't believe it. This young woman that she was interviewing had won a three-week around-the-world trip, all expenses paid, but, to the surprise of everybody, gave up this trip of a lifetime. She just gave it up. 
She gave it up to be near to a friend who was about to go through major surgery. Surely your friend would have understood how special the opportunity was. Surely there were other people who could have supported her through her surgery so you could go on this trip of a lifetime. Well, eventually, the woman, seeing that she wasn't going to get out of this by saying nothing, finally said something. Okay, this is none of your business, but I'll tell you anyway. I'll tell you why I gave this trip of a lifetime, this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity up, this very good thing up. You'll think I'm crazy, but so be it. It was because of what this friend of mine did for me a few years ago. I was addicted to heavy substance abuse. I was spiralling down. My family couldn't handle it and kicked me out. My friend was the only person in the whole world who looked after me. She sat up all night again and again. She talked me through it again and again. She mopped me down when I threw up. She changed my clothes. She took me to hospital. She talked to the doctors on my behalf and made sure I was getting through it all. She helped me with a court case. She even helped me get a job. In other words, she loved me. And now that she's in need, she's sick herself, it's the least I can do for her after she loved me. Friends, I want to say to you that 2 Corinthians, that's what's underneath it. That's what's underneath the whole relationship, the whole letter that Paul speaks to the people. Christ's love compels us, he says. We're convinced that one died for all, for me, he says. He died for all, so now we live not for ourselves. We don't live for ourselves anymore. He died for everybody and he was raised again for everybody. Can you hear him? You really want to know why I'm uninterested in looking good, smelling good, being good, being seen to be good, speaking with charisma and eloquence, performing powerful miracles, having endless light chit-chat about supremely unimportant things? Can you tell, can you see why I'm so blunt sometimes? Why I'm awkward? Why I'm seemingly a bit strange to you? A little bit indecisive maybe? Not easy to understand all the time? It's because he loved me and I know he loves you. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live anyway, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 Who shall separate us from this love of Jesus? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. No, neither death nor life. Nothing separates us from this kind of love that God has for us in Christ. Romans 8. So if we are out of our mind, as some of you say, well, that's between us and God. But if we are in our right mind, which we are, it's all for you. 
So to the Corinthians, I suspect, and us too, I wonder whether Paul might have seemed out of his mind at times, as if he was living on another planet somewhere, as we say. Well, Paul actually says, well, I kind of am. Not on another planet, but in a different creation in this planet. I'm living in another way to be human on this planet, which is shaped completely by the forgiving love of the crucified and resurrected human being, the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth. So we are confident, I say. We'd prefer to be away from the body, at home, at peace, at rest with the Lord. Sure, in the suffering and the criticism of life, no doubt. Paul would be rather at peace and rest and joy in the promised new garden city, Jerusalem, which is our future in Jesus, according to Jesus. But in God's wisdom, he and many of you I know, you remain a loved person, a sent person of God. That is the planet in which he lives on this planet, and so do you. And the goal of living in this new creation planet, what is life's goal? We make it our goal to please him, whether we are here or there, to please him. Living a life pleasing to the Lord on a daily basis is the goal of our lives. I'm suggesting it's the overarching goal of your life. Why so? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due, the things we've done while in the body, while living this human life, whether good or bad. Sounds a bit scary. I think it will be. We'll all have to give account of how we did it, how we lived in the new love that we constantly were gifted every day. But make no mistake, Paul is not saying that your behaviour, good or bad, determines your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Your status as one of his children, your place in his community, your membership in the new creation. We please our Saviour because we have been saved by our Saviour already. We please him not to earn his pleasure, but because we have his pleasure. We fear the Lord before the judgment seat, not in cringing terror as we stand before some uncaring and unknowing tyrant. No, we honour, respect and love. And we are very aware that we are accountable to this King of Kings, Jesus, whom we know is on the throne. So our fear is a genuine awe and an awareness of our complete inadequacy before him who knows all of our frailty and shame and yet has proven to us that he loves us with a love that gives up everything for you. So Paul says, so beautifully in Romans 8.1, possibly my favourite Bible text, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And yet he knows that there is a certain accountability for how we live in this love, this gift. 
At least two reasons for this. How we live and speak and be affects our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Number two, how we live and move and be affects his relationship with other people whom he also loves. So, can you see why Paul says, we make it our goal to please him, whether we are here or there. And then, since we know what it is to fear the Lord, rightly and well, we try to persuade other people. Seems to me that's our mission in life, to please him and persuade them, all of them, wherever we can. That's our shape, the umbrella upon which we live our life for however many years he gives. We are church. Being church in this community is all about then pleasing Jesus and persuading other people about him, of him. So we speak and we do and we serve and we love and we try and withhold harsh judgment and we try to forgive as much as it's up to us and we work for true peace between people as much as it's up to us. We apologise and we offer words of forgiveness when other people are doing the apologising and this is what we just have to do. We are compelled for Christ's love compels us. Now I know, if you're like me, you can be very uncompelled on any day of the week. I can live totally for myself, quite easily, thank you very much. That's my natural broken state in this fragile clay pot, the human body. With these fragile bones, I can believe very wrongly that I am not accountable to Jesus for how I go about life, for what I do and what I say. I can wrongly believe that what I do or don't do and say doesn't really matter because I'll go to heaven when I die, if that's my only goal. I can leave the peacemaking stuff, it's too hard anyway, leave it to other people, maybe I'll hold a grudge, maybe I'll try a little payback now and again, maybe I'll try and gain the upper hand and win the argument and blame everybody else for how bad they are and believe how very good I am. And I can believe even really that I really do need to earn God's pleasure and favour because then I get the benefit. I get to say, I did it my way. I have to do the right thing, achieve a certain level of moral behaviour and perfection and this will ensure me that God protects me and blesses me and keeps me safe and sound, happy. All completely untrue, friends, if you read 2 Corinthians. Thank the Lord for that. It is Christ's love that shapes us and compels us and drives us. My disordered, self-orientated loves do not compel me. I'm not in the right direction anyway. And the challenge is not to let them compel me with the Holy Spirit's help. Jesus' love compels me. One died for all, including me. I have died once in my baptism with Jesus and I have been resurrected with him in my baptism to this day. It keeps on happening on a daily basis, dying and rising new every morning, the steadfast love of the Lord. 
Jesus is like that woman in the interview, if you think about it. He's given up his heavenly trip of a lifetime to enter our trip from hell so that we don't have to suffer that. You know, forgiveness is possible. Even in immense suffering, Jesus' forgiveness transforms everything. Do you remember last year, just before COVID hit, February the 1st actually, a terrible thing happened in Sydney where three young children were killed by a man driving in an out-of-control ute. Do you remember that? Eight-year-old Sienna Abdullah was killed alongside her siblings, Angelina, age 12, and Anthony, age 13, and their cousin Veronique Sakra, age 13, when Samuel Wilson, uh, Wils, William Davidson, his ute, mowed them down on the curb. The siblings' parents, Danny and Layla Abdullah, spoke the following announcement of an impending guilty plea finally in the courts sometime later. Danny, the dad, said, we welcome the plea, the guilty plea, we do, but we don't want anger and bitterness and revenge in my household today. The family have remarkably forgiven Davidson, drawing on their faith, they say, for strength throughout the ordeal. Remarkable, says the newspaper, says the journo. Is it? Well, sadly, forgiveness is probably quite remarkable far too often. But not here in this letter, and not here for these Corinthians and for this man Paul, and not for our church either. Forgiveness is normal in the Christian community. In fact, it's quite unremarkable in God's new creation community as far as God is concerned. Forgiveness is just the way we roll. I can't do it, Pastor. I can't do it. I hear you. I hear you. And you can't. You can't. What does Paul say? All this is from God who reconciled us to him and gave us this gift to handle with all care and all diligence as much as we can in as much as it's up to us. So friends, can I urge you, encourage you, challenge you, above everybody else and everything else, please him. And don't do it to earn him or to get stuff from him, but just for him. And when you finish doing that, go and persuade a few people. Live to persuade others of the forgiving love of this man, the Son of God that transforms the world. I know you know it in your bones. This is what you say. I'm doing this, I'm living this life. Why? <laughs> because he loved me and he gave himself for me. So it might be time to stop looking for the trip of a lifetime and simply rest in your Saviour's calling for this time. It's because he loved you and you know he loves them. In the name of Christ, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the confidence with which we can live life and face all challenges.
that your great love in Jesus brings us today, every day. Lord, help us make the goal of our day pleasing you as we live in your beautiful new creation of forgiveness, sustained by your grace and your power. And Lord, while we're about it, help us to persuade a few of them of the gift of true forgiveness and new life on offer every day of the week. We pray for our church that we would be a church of forgiveness. We ask you to guide us. We ask you to guide our community and our community leaders. We pray for people in need in whatever way, in our own circle, in our own family. Take some time to do that today. Be with us as we live the rest of our day. Heavenly Father, we ask you to be with us and sustain us in your grace and give us all the things we need on this journey to our home with you in the body. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Saviour. Amen. So, friends, the Lord answer you when you are in any distress. The name of Jesus protect you. May he send you help and support you. May he remember you and all of your sacrifices and accept your acts of service to other people. The Lord give you the desires of your heart and make all your plans succeed. May we as people shout for joy over Jesus' victory for us. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favour and give you his peace today. Go in peace. Amen. Thanks for listening. Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. stpetri.org.au